Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's passage comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about 9 o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Avarilla. Thank you, Brittany. Just so you know, uh, Chesney was going to lead worship for us today, but very tragically, she lost her aunt and had to leave pretty quickly to go comfort her mother. And so thank you, Brittany, for jumping in. But let's be praying for uh, Chesney and her family as well. I gotta tell you, this is a frustrating parable because let me tell you some more about what happens here in this parable. So the landowner goes out and he hires day laborers early in the morning and then he goes back. He apparently needs some more. He goes back to the place where you find day laborers. He goes back at nine o'clock, hires them, okay. But then he keeps going out until he goes out to the very end of the workday and he keeps hiring day laborers. And I don't wanna give away the end of it, but let me tell you this and, and just don't leave out of frustration. He pays everybody the same amount and people get really upset about it. The people who were hired first get really upset about it because yes, I think you would be too. I think I might be too. I put in 12 hours under the hot sun and somehow I get back and the guy who worked one hour got the same amount as me. What do we do with this? This is the last sermon in this particular sermon series which is entitled, and shortly you will see it on the screen here, which it it is entitled, I promise you'll see it soon, it is the Academy, and I hope it gets up there pretty soon. Whoops. Well, that's at the very end. All right. Yeah, you saw my picture of the camera. I hate that. Okay, here we go. Learning to answer the call. And like we have said, this season of Pentecost is a season of preparation. We are being trained in the fine art of Christian mission and ministry. Now, I need to tell you, as sometimes is the case, and as you can see in other passages of Scripture, this effort to train missionaries, this effort to train ministers, sometimes fails spectacularly. And by that I mean, sometimes, even though you've invested in someone to try to teach and train, sometimes that same person will look at you and say, ah, not for me, I'm out. Or perhaps at some point that person says, well, this is dumb. I'm not, I'm not sure that this makes any sense. And then they leave. I mean, the older brother in the parable of the prodigal, the older brother has gotten quite a bit of training over the years, you know? I mean, quite a bit of training, so much so that he feels some sense of entitlement and is frustrated when Johnny-come-lately little brother gets the big party. Remember this? 
It is possible to grow up in the church and miss the point. It is possible to grow up in the church but not necessarily change your kingdom citizenship. This is, this is why I try to say to us on a regular basis, like choose what is, what is however you would describe in a word or two your given vocation, right? That's why it's so important that you understand that you cannot be a teacher who happens to be a Christian and pull off this Christianity thing the way that Christ dreams for it to be pulled off. Teachers who happen to be Christian might be fine people, well-behaved people, but they are different animals than Christians who happen to be teachers. Physicians who happen to be Christian can be great doctors, and you might get a lot of help from said doctor. But a person who is a Christian who then happens to be a physician is different. What about the business person who understands life and success in countable terms, whether that be a paycheck or the number of widgets you make in a given week or the number of rungs on the ladder that this person has achieved. That good person, that, that good business person, great at business, and you can tell it by looking all, at all of the accolades, right? At looking at all of the stuff, there is a difference between a good business person who attends church, that person is different than the one who is a Christian who happens to be involved in business and the making of profits. Jesus is going to draw a very clear distinction today between people who live in the kingdom of the world, complete with all of its definitions, and then go to church, and the person who is a kingdom citizen who has had all of the definitions changed. And the hard part about, hard part about this parable is that though it, it may not seem like it and though it, we may not want it to be the case, the parable is aimed at us. And it very well could be at the close of a parable like this, you might say, you know what, I think I will stay a citizen of this world and just attend every once in a while. That, that's possible because the claim that this parable will make on your imagination, it, it is difficult, difficult. But you will have to decide. In order to get some context here, Let's back up a chapter because this parable only makes sense when it's against the right backdrop. And the backdrop we're given just a chapter before. A chapter before, and this story shows up in three different gospels, and so we typically call this person the rich young ruler. This someone came to him and said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal boundless life? And Jesus said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter life, keep the commandments. Well, this is probably an oldest child. <laughs> this is a rule keeper, right? This is a good person, wants to be understood as a good person, wants to understand himself as a good person. And so he responds to Jesus, which commandments? Which are the ones? I need to know which ones. Jesus said, okay, well, here, here are some key ones. <laughs> Don't murder don't commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, also you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Throws that one in there as well. 
But the young man said to him, I have done all of this. I have kept all of these. What do I still lack? Interesting word there. Why am I not yet complete? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, it says perfect there, very well could have been uh, translated completed or whole. If you want to be perfect, then here's what you need to do. Go sell everything, give the money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. He, He is illustrating right here that this guy is trying to operate in a Christian context while still carrying the definitions that he has gotten from the kingdom of this world. So go sell everything, he said, then you'll have treasure in heaven, and then, this is important, then come and follow me. Leave your kingdom and come to mine. Leave your kingdom and come to mine. Man, people have worked very hard to domesticate this parable. And I I read it in a lot of the books that I read in preparation for today's sermon. People have tried to say, well, I think he's just talking to monks. He's probably just talking to monks and nuns. And so they find it pretty easy to sell. They don't have much anyway. So go sell that stuff. I mean, I read that this week. I I don't think that's the case. I, I, I think that this parable does have, or at least should have, broader appeal than just the folks who, in the room who are considering lives as monks or nuns. I, I think this is a question of citizenship. But can we kind of dive more deeply into the mind of this rich young person first? The rich young ruler mistakenly believed that his faith was a matter of improving his resume. He thought it was a matter of being well behaved. What Jesus asked of him today was not just a test. He really did want him to go and serve. This is not just a test. If you think this is just a test, you're going to miss the entirety of the sermon today. And a really cool video, promise, that will work. I have it on good authority that it will work today. This was not a throwaway line. Jesus is saying to him, hey, hey, well-behaved person. What you really need to do if you want to be complete, if you want to complete this process that we're calling faith, the Christian project, if you want to complete the project, you have to reinvest. And in order to reinvest, you in particular are going to have to divest. And maybe, here's something we we should hear Jesus saying to the young man, You have both feet firmly planted in a different kingdom. Jesus is saying, you should probably leave that kingdom and come to mine. Jesus was trying to inspire and enact a revolution of love, right? I don't mean sentimentality there. Just just the kind of love that allows you to have warm feelings about the person, on the other end of the drive through microphone who keeps messing up your order. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a real organizing principle known as love. Jesus knows that love is most effective when it's not just a noun, but when it's a verb. 
Love, when it's Christian love, becomes care, tangible care and concern for the others within arm's reach. It becomes service, service. If you walk around saying, well, I just love everybody, and by that you mean you're nice to the weight person, you're, you're nice to your neighbor, that's good. I don't want you to not be nice <laughs> to your neighbor or to the person that's going to serve you at the restaurant here soon. That's, I want you to be nice to those people. And if you're not, please tell them you're from a different church. <laughs> but it has to be more than that if it's going to be Christ-shaped love. I think, I think I mean it when I say it has to be more than that if we're going to call it Christianity. Jesus seems to know that this young man's life and faith was in this moment hanging in the balance. Jesus knows that this young man, having begun the cycle of faith, would never finish it, though, until he reinvested himself. He was at risk. He had not yet been converted to the new kingdom with its new economy. That's an important concept today. There is a different economy in this kingdom and different definitions of success. Maybe the clearest place to see this difference in economies and different definitions of success, perhaps the clearest demonstration of this is in Exodus 16. This is right after the Exodus. They are, the people of God are finally out from under the thumb of Pharaoh. And now, I just want you to think about that kingdom and the economic policy that undergirded that kingdom. You were as valuable as you were productive when you were under Pharaoh's thumb. Have you, got, have you guys gotten to Exodus yet? No. This week. You were as valuable as you were productive. And if Pharaoh didn't think that you were working hard enough, he just made it harder and harder and harder until you reached your quotas. Some of you live with quotas hanging over your head all the time. And I recognize that that is the world that we live in. And some of you are not going to be able to leave this place and go live a life that doesn't cause you to have to deal with the quotas that are hanging over your head. But in the kingdom of God, there aren't quotas. The economic system was exploiting the Hebrew people, damaging them. And so God liberates them, and they are now out in the wilderness somewhere. But out in the wilderness, watch this, they are so used to being uh, under that different economic theory that though they are relieved and liberated, they start to grumble. And they even say this according to Exodus 16. Sheesh, if we were going to die, I'd rather die with a chicken in every pot. We'd rather die back home where we know where everything is and we know kind of how, what, the, what, the, what the rules are out there. We'd rather die there than out here because we got nothing. We got nothing but the grace of God. And so they grumble. And Moses asks, God, what am I going to do with these people? And God seems to say, what am I going to do with these people? God says, here's, here's what we're going to do. Though before, they only ate when they were productive. Now God says, I will esteem them and love them differently. I'm going to rain out of the sky resource. They're going to get water from a rock. Typically, you don't get water from rocks. 
manna. Literally, the Hebrew word there could have been <laughs> translated, what is it? What is it? was falling from the skies, and it was edible. Quail all over the place. But here's the thing. You could not hoard the gifts of bread and quail. If you tried to hoard or gather one day's worth more than the single day that you were in right there, if you tried to gather two days' worth, it would all spoil. So as to make the point, you can rely on the grace of God. Hear, hear me say this, you all. I think it's important when reading these passages of Scripture, I hope everybody's listening to me, you can rely on the grace of God. You can rely on the grace of God. The rich young man doesn't believe this. He, he's not sure that he can rely on the grace of God. The rich young ruler understands the, all of the commandments that would come as a result of this wandering. Remember this? The, the commandments that Jesus had listed for him before. The rich young ruler understands these commandments as measurements of individual piety. Do you? I must be a believer. I haven't killed recently. I must be a believer because I very rarely commit adultery. These are not meant to be measurements of individual piety. God understands the commandments as something bigger than individual faith projects. God and the people of God understand these commandments as the tangible expression of a culture in which love is the organizing, empowering force. The commandments were not written for you, believer. They were written for all y'all, including me. Make sense? What could a culture look like if it was organized by the love of God? This is what the commandments are trying to describe for us, reminding us that faith ultimately is a team sport. And in this team sport, there are no seats on the bench. There is no bench. There is no bench. So Jesus here, while acknowledging the wisdom of the Torah, invites this young man to dive even more deeply into the kingdom that Torah is trying to describe. But in order to do that, here's where it gets tough, he will have to walk away from the other system. Have to walk away from the other system of all of its definitions of success and follow Jesus into a new life, a new reality, one in which the first are last, and the last are first. Now, however you would describe the economic system in that particular time, it seems to have been working for the rich young man. Now, you may guess that he was handed his wealth by a prior generation, and you could be right, but it looks to me like he's pretty diligent. Not only has he kept all these commandments since he was a child, but recognizing that he still lacks something, he goes searching for it, and he goes looking for it at the feet of Jesus. Yes, he is a success. He is winning, given the rules of the economic game that everybody is supposed to be playing. He comes with a first-placed ribbon on his chest already, but still he knows he lacks something, and so he's just smart enough to go looking to Jesus for the answer. He just doesn't like it. I know lots of people who are just smart enough to go looking to Jesus for the answer who then say, yeah, but I just don't like it. 
what Jesus knew and the young man didn't know. And this is a risky thing for a pastor to say up front, being recorded, ready? (laughs) Jesus knows that Christianity was less about behavior and more about citizenship. Christianity, conversion, salvation calls for a change of kingdom scenery, y'all. We are called to leave alternative kings, queens, and their kingdoms And then we are asked to follow a very different kind of king into a very different kind of kingdom, complete with very different definitions of success and a different economic theory. Yes, some of you are going to go to work tomorrow and you're going to face quotas, the weight of quotas. You're going to face the profit-making project. And I get it. And you, and you have to, and I'm glad for how faithful and generous you are as you are good at your jobs. But I do hope, I do hope that you are Christians that go to work as opposed to working people that sometimes go to church. I do hope that this strange king and this strange kingdom have a claim on your imagination that allows you to have a God other than profit margin. Jesus says to us, we're going to get to the preaching text, I promise. Jesus says to his disciples, I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person who is stuck in that other kingdom to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, this is how hard it's going to be. You see that giant camel? You see this needle with this little bitty eye in it? You could sooner shove that camel through the eye of this needle than a rich person would enter the kingdom of God. Yikes. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded, I think maybe terrified, because then they asked, well, then who can be saved because camels don't go through eyes of needles? And Jesus looked at them and said, yeah, y'all can't do this, but I can help you do it. Yeah, for mortals, this is impossible. But for God, it's impossible to even save a rich person, a wealthy person. With God, with God, anyone has a chance to switch their citizenship with God. It's awfully quiet in here. Simon Peter, speaking for all of us, says... Jesus, we've left everything and followed you. What do we get out of this deal? (laughs) Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man is seated on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my namesake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Here it is again. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. He says, it's kind of like this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard, and after agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. And when he went out about 9 o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you guys go too, and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. 
when he went out again about noon, so three hours later, three hours farther into the workday, and about three o'clock, he did the same, and about five o'clock, five, y'all, the whistle's about to blow. He went out about five o'clock, and he found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? Perhaps they weren't idle all day. Maybe they had gone to four other different places and couldn't find work there either, so they were just back here. And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, okay, you guys go too. I know the whistle's about to blow. You guys go too. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the workers and give them their pay, beginning with the last. Last will be first. First will be last. Beginning with the last, then going to the first. Now, seatbelts, everybody. I'm going to read straight from Scripture. You're not going to like this. When those hired about 5 o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage for like 40 minutes of work, full day's pay. Now, when the first came, rubbing their hands, they said, okay, if Joe got a full day's wage for 40 minutes of work, He's going to give us. We put in 12 hours today. So when they came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the same amount. Are you triggered yet? You're going to be. Ready? And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them, how dare you make them equal to us? They matter as much as us? You have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. They probably worked in Oklahoma. But he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to support these households at the same daily rate. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Because here in these parts, the first are last and the last are first. What the workers who are first missed, what the older brother in the parable misses, is that we don't live in a world governed by the rules of earning and buying and selling. Not when you are entrenched in the kingdom of God. When you are entrenched, both feet, in the kingdom of God, even if you go to work on Monday where you have to punch a time clock, even if you are going with quotas hanging over your head, but when you have both feet in the kingdom of God, the economy <laughs> emanates from the heart of a non-scorekeeping God. Wow, you guys did not respond to that the way I thought you might. But let, me, let me try it like this. Pharaoh would have measured you by your productivity. God measures you by God's love for you. Pharaoh would look at your wobbly commitment level and say, hmm, this one's better than that one. This one does more than that one. 
This one is capable of more than that one. This one has worked longer and harder than that one. God says, I see my people. I see my children, and I see folks that I love. And by the way, my mind about all of them is made up. You ready? And the news is... truth of the matter is, not only do I hope that your worship style will be fueled and funded by this almost embarrassed sense of, oh, no, you all, God knows everything that there is and know that, that there is to know about me and still chooses me. I hope that you sing stronger because you are singing out of grateful response. Singing out of great, listen, Business people, I hope that you are giving in grateful response. I think that you'll be a better giver giving in gratitude than you will trying to finally buy God's favor. You can't sing yourself into the middle of God's heart. You're already there. You can't buy yourself into the middle of God's heart. God knows you and still chooses to put you there anyway. And you can't volunteer and serve your way into the middle of God's heart. But if you find yourself in the middle of God's heart, because God has chosen it, here's what will happen. You will respond with a life of gratitude that takes the form of singing, <laughs> takes the form of giving, and y'all, it will take the form of service. The rich young ruler was not yet convinced that God's mind about him was made up and the news was good. And so the task was too great. But when you know that you matter, not because you're productive, but you matter because you are you. When you know that you have captured the mind and the heart and the imagination of God, when you realize in that moment that God has captured your mind and heart and imagination, there is nothing that you won't do in response to the love and the grace that is already yours. Yeah, it's a different kingdom economy because it is based on the heart and the choice and the grace of God, whether you like it or not. And so, next Sunday, we want you to sign up to serve. We, we hope that you'll sign up to serve. Hopefully, hopefully, each week as you come and you hear the same things over and over, hopefully each week as you are involved in, in this moment around the table so important, hopefully you are more deeply and deeply aware that God's mind about you is made up and the news is good, and hopefully there is springing up within you something that says, then I must respond. This isn't cheap grace. God has asked me for everything, but God, God deserves my everything because I have gotten everything where God is concerned. And so we come to a people chosen by God. We come to a people chosen by God, a people about whom God's mind is made up, and I still think the news is really good. We come to you and say, hey, is it time for you to reinvest yourself in a way that the rich young ruler just couldn't? Is it time for you to live, live in response to what is already yours, because not because you're so good, but because God is good? And so we're going to have Connection Sunday next week, and very grateful for Ryan Scott, who helped put this little video together, and I say little, it's kind of a long video, so I hope you'll enjoy this, but it's in preparation for next Sunday. 
We are really looking forward to October 1st, Connection Sunday. We want you to get involved in helping us do what we are called to do, to, to be the church. And so there are volunteer opportunities. This is a little lamp from my office. Nice little lamp, I really like it. I kind of even like the simplicity of it and how it looks. But it's not until it is plugged in and then connected that it really is able to share its light and really help. Let your light shine, plug in, volunteer, help us do what we're called to do. We're currently recruiting for a medical team in 2024 and a work and witness team in 2025. We also have giving opportunities that invest directly into the education of pre-K through graduate STEM students through Luca International Foundation. We believe this is our work to do and we need you with us on this. We invite you to join us. Please reach out today if you're interested in joining this important work. One way you can connect better with people in your church and with your own spiritual growth and spiritual life is to come to Sunday School. They're open to asking the hard questions. They are accepting and embracing. And you would find a home in one of our Sunday Schools. We have excellent Sunday School teachers and many options available to people of all age groups. Hope to see you in Sunday School. Connecting with God and others isn't always easy, but we believe that doing life together is important. And we do that by playing basketball in the gym, spending time around the table, we eat and we worship. We also take trips that give us intentional opportunities to grow. And we would love for you to join us. If you'd like to reach out, you can email me at avarilla at okcfirst.com. Music plays an important role in our times of worship on Sunday mornings. Singing together as a community shapes us and opens our hearts to be reminded of who we are and who God is. And to make those moments happen, we rely on a wonderful team of volunteers. So if you sing or play an instrument and are interested in serving in this area of ministry, let us know. We'd love to chat. We have 28 students right now that come in for our program every single day for literacy tutoring. We have six students on the wait list and we just formed a new relationship with the Afghan support system and they have 25 students that they want to send to us for literacy tutoring. We cannot do this without your help. Um, please come to our booth and check us out on Connection Sunday. You could also email me at jamise at oneokc.org. See you soon. Hey friends, we really need your help on the building maintenance crew. This is a volunteer group that does these three things. We do recycling. We'd like to improve our recycling effort around here. We had some odds and ends that need fixed around here. So if you're good with tools and with your hands, we need you there. And if you're good at cleaning out closets, we need your help there too. So please sign up and help us to maintain this great facility. Did you know we serve 65 families a month? That's right, because of your generous donations, we are able to meet the basic needs of those in our community. Our goal is to expand our food pantry services and we need your help. We are looking for volunteers, monetary donations, and four specific food donations, including cereal, peanut butter and jelly, spaghetti noodles, and spaghetti pasta to add to our effort in reaching more families in our community. And we hope you will join us in reaching our goal. We need volunteers to help teach Sunday school, help with children's church, our Wednesday night activities, and then the nursery and preschool areas. So there's many ways for you to be involved. Also to help with special events, 
We do several large events here in our children's ministry and we'd love your help to set up and tear down for those major events. We're gonna invite you to be part of the hospitality team and there are three different ways that you can help. First is helping out in the parking lot. Second would be to greet people as they enter the church. And third would be what we're calling first impressions. We just wanna make sure our, our building is ready for any guest or member that steps through the doors. And we just hope you'll join us in uh, making our church even more hospitable. How's it going friends? My name is Rudy Rocket and I am the Young Adult College Community Pastor here at OKC First, YAC for short. Uh, we are a group of college age students, maybe even a couple years out. Uh, you don't even have to be in college, uh, just around the same age range. Uh, we are a community of friends that do our best to make each other feel safe, seen, and heard. Uh, we meet Sunday mornings at 9.30 for Sunday school and Wednesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Hope to see you there. Here at OKC First, we have a growing and thriving community around the world through our live stream. Do you love music and concerts? And are you your family's tech support? We need you to help us sound good in the sanctuary and online. Do you enjoy photography or making short videos? Then you might like operating a camera or directing our live stream feed on Sunday morning. If you have an ear or eye for quality, come join our tech team. We'll let you shadow someone and learn from our best until you're ready to step up. Hope to see you soon. So, a lot of us are nice looking lamp and light fixtures, but it's when we're plugged in and connected that we can let our lights shine. See you on October the 1st. So what will happen is we will have an abbreviated, if we can keep the preacher short next week, we'll have an abbreviated service and all these booths will be out there in the atrium. We're gonna have a lot of fun, lots of light, lots of energy out there. And we are hoping that you will help us by signing up. I've asked the people who are asking for volunteers to ask for doable things. Don't just ask, I need help with youth ministry. No one's gonna do that. But can you like bite size it so that people can really help out? Now, let me promise you a couple things. These volunteer positions do not pay well. The benefit package is virtually non-existent. <laughs> and if compensation is the only thing that motivates your active Christian service, and at some point it's not Christian service. There is a different economy at work in this kingdom. Measures of success so obvious in a given field and so often used to validate and celebrate the highest achievers are harder to find here in this particular kingdom when God calls people not to big and loud triumphs that make headlines very often, but to quiet and patient and enduring moments of service and presence that very rarely, if ever, are even noticed. So what does it mean to serve well? It can mean several things. It means serving reliably and consistently. It means to serve effectively within your area of expertise or experience. It means to serve with joy and in grateful response, giving grace because you know you've been the recipient of grace. It means serving as one who participates in a Christ-shaped revolution and not one serving in a revolution shaped by anyone else. Serving well means serving and trusting in the economy of God economy of God in the kingdom as opposed to the headline-chasing, bottom-line-chasing kingdom of the age. And by the way, I do think it's necessary if you are to be perfect, completed, whole, alive. So next week, there might be some fun things given away. I heard rumor of popcorn, right? Uh, there's gonna, we're going to have some fun in the, in the atrium, and we're going to take some time out of this service so that you have time 
to consider to be something more than a rich young ruler who was very well behaved and still incomplete. But I do hope that between now and next week, you will reacquaint yourself with the grace that is yours without your having earned it, but is given to you like a gift. And that's the story we rehearse around this table each week. And so if you're helping us today, please come and set this table for us. Heavenly Father, remind us of this story. The one about your grace. The one in which you choose us, though you know everything that there is to know about us. The one that doesn't measure us the way that Pharaoh measures us. The one where we are reminded on a regular basis that your mind is made up about us and the news is good. May we end this story, receive it all over again today, and receive it at such a depth that we cannot help but respond. As we receive these moments now, as we receive these elements that we ask you to bless, may we feel that something like a deep breath and then may we exhale in love and in service. In a moment, you're gonna be handed uh, a piece of bread. They'll be after you walk all the way to the front with your hands cupped because it's the only way to receive this grace. You'll come to the front with your hands cupped and when you get to someone holding a plate of bread, that person will place that little piece of bread into your hand and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread and then dip it into the cup. Once you dip it into the cup, over here will be Albany who will say to you, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat. And then if you would, find a place to pray. If you come to one of these side padded altars, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing and someone will meet you there, an elder will meet you there to pray that prayer for healing, whether it be physical healing you need or mental or emotional or familial, relational. If you need healing, we will pray for you at one of these side padded altars. Now you may wanna to come to one of these kneeling benches up front. And while we won't assume anything, we will at some point just come alongside to help you to know that you are never alone, not as you pray. You may wanna just circle right back around to your seat, which is perfectly fine, but I would ask that you would pray a prayer that goes something like this. God, remind me that my origin story starts with you and your heart for me, your choice for me, and may my life be a response to that which I have by your grace. Pray that prayer if you would. Now, who is eligible? Well, if you understand your need for grace, it doesn't matter what happened earlier this morning or earlier this week or earlier this month. If you recognize your need for grace as I do, then you are welcome at this table, and that will never change. Now, if you would rather sit this out, that's perfectly fine too, because all are invited, but none are compelled. You don't have to come, but you're invited to come. As you're coming down, you may want to take a moment and dip your fingers into this water that we hope will remind you of the moment of your baptism when you were initiated into the movement. The people of God have a mission and a purpose, and you were initiated at the moment of your baptism regardless of your age. May you be reminded of that right here in this bowl.
It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember me. In the same way, later he would take the cup and hold it up before them and say, this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, remember me. And now all across the sanctuary, if you would, now stand to your feet, exit your pew to the left, and come forward to receive these gifts of God meant to nourish the people of God. If you can't get to us, then someone will come to you. Just let us know.